This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey here, joined as always by Sal Capaccio from WGR 550. We hope that you had a very nice holiday. We understand the circumstances were not like any of us had anticipated. First and foremost, we hope that you're safe right now, that you and your loved ones were able to, you know, get through this storm because we know know it's just taken a, a really really massive toll on our community sal you know the bills they always seem to be a distraction but i think this weekend more than any they were a much needed distraction for a lot of people especially on saturday back in buffalo who all they could do was either watch the game on tv or even listen on the radio if they didn't have power yeah and obviously um sharing those same sentiments um you know hopefully everybody out there is safe and your loved ones are safe. And I know that everybody's trying to do their best. It's the city of good neighbors. Look out for each other. There's been some incredible stories about people helping each other. And, you know, we know that that's the case in Buffalo when things like this happen. So hopefully everybody is, um, you know, digging out as best they can and being as safe as they can. And um, we appreciate them listening here. And if we can provide any sort of distraction to what's going on uh, while you're at home or whatever, we appreciate that. And thank you so much for downloading, subscribing and all of that kind of stuff. In the meantime, with the game last weekend, it could definitely act as that in a lot of different ways. We've talked about that over the years with a lot of different scenarios, and this was another one of them. Uh, the Bills, they go to Chicago, they win. Uh, they scored 29 points in the second half. Didn't look good in the first half, but I think afterwards people kind of give a sigh of relief and said, okay, um, that was a that was a bit of a nail-biting couple hours, but they pulled it out in the end and felt a lot better when it was all said and done. And of course, now they still sit with the number one seed in the overall AFC, and they have to get to the finish line here over the next two weeks, which we'll talk about with the Bengals coming up next week in a huge game, obviously. But for this game, Matt, um, I thought, you know, the struggle in the first half, um, obviously not being able to move the ball very much in offense, missing some points, but in the second half, they look like the Buffalo bills that we've seen more often than not over the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But before we talk about the game, I got to know how cold was it in Chicago? Because so I'm dealing with everything back in Buffalo. I did not go. I know we talked about it on the podcast last week. Shout out to my boss, Aaron. He's our news director. He called me on Monday of last 
last week and was like, listen, this weather's going to stink. You can make the decision, but I just don't want you to get stuck and not be home for the holiday. Now, we were thinking of that at that point, not from a safety issue. We were just thinking of like, oh, like human, like, hey, they played on Halloween. They played on Thanksgiving. I don't want you to be away from your family. Well, turns out I was still away from my family because of the storm, but lucky I was able to hunker down with my wife at the house. So what was it like in Chicago and what was the travel all like? So let's go rewind back to the week before the game on Wednesday. We all started thinking, is this possible? We could wind up having to leave early because remember we'd be leaving Friday for a Saturday game. We were thinking, and you know, people are texting each other, trying to find out I'm part of the travel party with the radio broadcast team. But of course, you know, I'm taking my cues from the team itself because we're traveling with them. So we're kind of all in communication. What's going on. And people are like, we're, we're waiting to see, we don't know. They're trying to figure out what the weather they're in touch with the meteorologist government, all that kind of stuff. By the time we got to Thursday, Got wind on Thursday morning that it looked like we were going to leave sometime on Thursday. So it was more of a, okay, we think we know the timing of it, but be ready whenever because there might be a window. We got to get out of here. Then, and that was kind of scrambling around. In the in the, in the meantime, you know, I'm you you got things planned throughout the day that you have to kind of now you have to get your gear and everything. Then you have to think, Matt. Well, okay, I'm there for a couple of nights, and then you think, what if we can't get back because of the storm? That started creeping in already and thinking about it. So all that stuff's going through your head. You know, obviously we get to uh, Chicago Thursday, spend Thursday night there. Friday becomes a normal kind of a Friday travel day, although you're already there instead of traveling on Friday. And then Saturday's the game. You want to talk about how cold it was? My goodness. I would tell you, maybe the actual temperature of the Patriots playoff game, Matt, was lower. I'm not sure, but there's no way it was colder, if that makes sense. This game at kickoff was nine degrees with a wind chill of negative 12. Um, and then the winds were whipping at 26 miles an hour at kickoff. It was incredibly cold, so cold that when I walked out of the tunnel to go on the field, I couldn't see because I couldn't keep my eyes open because the wind was whipping my face so hard that I was started. My eyes were watering and I, and you know, you've ever had that, that whiplash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, luckily I had brought ski goggles with me that I've never worn for games, but I bought after the 2017 snow game for Mm. snow. For blowing snow. I brought them just because I thought there'd be blowing snow. Never thought I'd have to wear them because of wind. I had to wear them the whole game. In the meantime, I had four layers on on the bottom, four or five layers on on the top. Incredibly cold, doing what you can to kind of stay warm during the game. It was the coldest game that I've ever been a part of personally. And I know that um, it could not have been fun playing out there and getting hit, trying to throw footballs, trying to take snaps, anything like that. It was, it, it was something that I would think you couldn't even play football in, to be honest with you. But of course they did. So that and then so how much of an impact did the weather you think have on the game itself like throwing the ball I know one of the things we'll talk about was from Josh Allen's perspective and it was really interesting because after the game he basically said the two interceptions the first one inexcusable it was a bad decision I threw it to Isaiah McKenzie in double coverage that one I can't let happen the second one now it looked bad on the broadcast but he said after the game he was like I was trying to dump it off to James Cook And I tried to take so much off of it that the ball sailed in the wind. And he's like, I can kind of live with that mistake because it was just a little bit of bad execution. It wasn't a bad decision. So like, did the weather really impact the throwing game and kind of like the game plan itself? Oh, I would say it did from that standpoint. There were times where it was gusting over 30 miles an hour. And if you threw the ball, right. You tried to kick the ball. Think about, um, how about this? I'll give you a couple examples. I mean, Josh obviously has such a strong arm, right? That he can, he can throw through the wind, but how about that one right there? Like, you, you know, he's the, 
the wind kind of takes it. Him having to decide if he should throw more on it, less on it. And we even said in the radio broadcast, Eric Wood said, you can't really fire fastballs in this in this condition because the ball is slick. It's so cold that when guys go to catch it, you got to make sure they can be able to catch it. So that was part of it. But the other, I think it impacted special teams immensely. You had Tyler Bass missing a field goal and an extra point, which rare for him, especially inside of 40 yards, you know, missing a field goal. He did that. Now I know that Cairo Santos was fine, but you never know what was going to happen. But Matt, the punting game, like, I don't know why Naeem Hines let one punt go and then it all of a sudden bounced all the way back. But I think it's because the wind was playing tricks with it up there. And then the bills had one that they let go and the wind kept blowing it, but they blew it dead actually before they should have. But you could see how that was impacting everything. And then on the kickoffs, you know, I write arrow up, arrow down every week after the game on our website, WGR550.com. And I gave an arrow down to the kick coverage unit. Well, part of it was because they had to kick shorter than they thought. And I mean, though, yeah. I think they were trying to kick longer. It went shorter and it allowed some opportunities in the kicking game. So I think the special teams was completely impacted. And I do think that the game plan was in fact impacted on offense uh, for both teams because of how it was maybe at certain times you couldn't throw the ball the way you wanted to. Yeah, and just sitting there watching the game on TV, it felt like every possession, the Bills were losing the field position kind of yes, battle the yes. entire time. It started right. Every time the Bears got the ball, they had great field position. Every time the Bills had the ball, it felt like they were like kind of going in an uphill battle. And that was a big storyline in the first half when they only scored six points. I think that was a big reason why. Now, luckily for them, they snapped out of it. The offense started to kind of really cook. Thanks to James Cook mm-hmm. and Devin Singletary. See what I did there? I, so, I, I did, yes. Uh, so I think that, you know, all things considered, and it's something that Josh said after the game. So also shout out, they had player availability because there were so many people who couldn't get to Chicago. So when I'm saying like, oh, this is what they said after the game, we were on a Zoom call with the players, almost kind of like the COVID years after the game. So we could still talk to everybody, which was nice. But he said after the game, like, don't feel like we played our best but we scored 35 points and we had over 400 yards of total offense. So it's hard to, you know, really be super critical of the performance that we had. And and I kind of agree. I think that they started slow, but it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And then in the second half, they kind of woke up and they remembered like, okay, we're one of the best teams in the NFL. Let's, let's start to play like it. And um, let's talk about how they did that both on offense and defense. It's always game day in Buffalo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, WGR Sports Radio 550 here. WKBW TV Channel 7 there. 
we hope that everybody's staying safe and uh, doing what you can to get through this storm. And hopefully, um, you know, you listening to us maybe gives you a bit of a distraction in some way, shape or form. Maybe people are listening on their, you know, iPad, I, their pods or something like that while they're shoveling outside, Matt. I like to do that. I do that. I listen to music while I'm shoveling. I do it when I'm cutting the grass during the summer a lot. I do when I'm cutting the grass for sure. I did not when I was snow blowing the other day because honestly, I didn't hear it? want. Well, I think you could if you have like those like like AirPods or something. I think you'd be able to yeah. hear it. I didn't because they would be wireless, and I didn't want like when you take all the layers off them to fall off. Right. And then you lose them because the AirPods, like, you've got so many layers on. And just so you, so I know you were getting back from Chicago. On Christmas Day, we saw our first plow. I live on Grand Island. It did three swipes, which is amazing. So shout out to Grand Island's, like, Department of Public Works or whatever it's called. But it took me about two hours, a little more than two hours, to snow blow my driveway. That would normally be about a 15-minute job. It wow. was because the snow, the drifts were so high that it was above the height of the snowblower. So you almost had to go up to a spot, let the snow throw, and then take a shovel and knock it down and then do it again. And that's how you continued to work. And then obviously I really appreciate the plows coming, but after the plows come, then you have these massive snow drifts at the end of your driveway. So it was, it was a mess, an absolute mess. Right. Well, listen, um, the, another discussion for another time we have to do. I can't wear wireless pods. They come out of my ears. I don't know. They come out of my ears, and I won't do it. I don't know if my ear – it's why I have, like, if you can see right now, you and I are doing this. We could see each other. Uh-huh. I have one that loops around my ear to hold it in. I can't wear a wireless pod. I, the, the, it comes out of my ear. Maybe my ear's shaped weird. I don't know what it is, but I just never have been able to do that, and I'm always afraid they're going to fall out. So I, if I wear wireless, they're the full, like, Beats headphones. Okay, so I I actually I resonate with that because I also have a hard time with specifically yep. like like earbuds that stay yep. in my ear. Now, luckily for me, the AirPods seem to work very well, but I used to really like to run a lot, and I almost would prefer to run any time that I could wear like a knit hat or a beanie, not because it kept my head warm, but because it would keep my headphones in. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, you could put yes, it over your ears. Totally get and, it. I've done that. And, you, and then you didn't have to worry about it. So <laughs> I, I do know what you're talking about. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to this game and how the bills actually did wind up dominating in the second half. Um, they come out in the first drive of the second half and ran the ball. Should we start with offense? Cause the defense was dominant and we can definitely yeah. talk about them first, but let's just talk how they started getting things going in the second half, because it was a really nice first drive to open the second half. And it really kind of set the tone for the rest of the way the game went, Matt, they ran for 254 yards. It was incredible. And after the game, I looked at the stats, and I have to check now through the the week, but I think it's probably still true. The Bills are actually the number one team in the NFL at yards per play now, um, running, running yards per play. And, yes, I understand a lot of that is Josh Allen, but I actually did the math and cut out Josh Allen. They're fifth in the league even without Josh Allen. They're a much better run team than people realize efficiently, but they did it in this game in a big way. Devin Singletary, James Cook, it didn't matter. There were holes open all over the place. They were making big runs, and and they did a great job running the football, and that took a little bit off what Josh had to do throwing in those conditions. But Mm -hmm. even though Josh threw the two interceptions, he still made some nice throws, threw one to Gabe Davis, one to Dawson Knox later, but it was really the run game they got going, which was really nice to see. 
Yeah, that first drive to start the second half was eight plays, 86 yards. So once again, that goes to the point of they started at their own 14. That's not good. They only took four minutes and nine seconds to do it. And they took a 14 to 10 lead because they had the big Devin Singletary touchdown run and they had the two point conversion. So that was a big play, obviously, for them. Let's see on that drive. Josh Allen started with a 15 yarder to Diggs. Um, by the way, what, that was Diggs first catch of the day, right? Or that maybe was, Diggs, that Diggs was first. Diggs first catch of the day. You think maybe they went to halftime and said, um, yeah, we got to throw Stefan Diggs the ball really early in this half because we got to get yeah. involved. Yeah. And then they had a couple other Singletary actually had two catches on that drive. Now that I'm looking back on it, he had a 10 yard catch and a nine yard catch. And then two plays later, he had the 33 yard touchdown. So that was a really big drive for Devin Singletary, which was funny because after that drive, then it kind of became the James Cook show. I think they could have let Singletary continue to go, but they also wanted to get some reps in for Cook, and he also was pretty dominant. Yeah, for sure. Um, they both did a great job. I thought Aaron Cromer, the offensive line, uh, Ken Dorsey, you know, I, I know that Ken Dorsey gets polarizing with a lot of fans, but I don't know how you can complain about how they ran the ball in this game with the game plan they had to come out in the second half, especially after halftime, and run the ball. So it all, all was clicking right there. And Matt, when you look at the end of the day, the box score, it looks like James Cook and Devin Singletary are really starting to become a 50-50 split here uh, as far as carries and touches at least are concerned. Do you expect the same going forward? I don't know yet. I still think that they trust Singletary more. Now, that's not to say that they don't trust James Cook, but it feels like every time we start to get towards this point in the season, Singletary starts to shine, especially mm -hmm. in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think I'm still going to give the edge to Singletary, even though I do think that James Cook could be more dynamic. I think what James Cook has done has almost made, this sounds like counterintuitive, but I think what James Cook has done has kind of forced the Bills' hands of giving him a bigger workload next season as a compliment of maybe him and Hines. But I think in the short term, while you still have all three, you should probably ride with the guy that you trust the most. And I still think that that's Singletary. That's just how I read the situation. But I do think Cook provides them with something that Singletary doesn't. And that's just a little bit of a quicker first step. Somebody who's a little bit more elusive. I don't even want to say that he's better in the passing game because I know we thought he was going to be. He hasn't really shown that yet. He's fine catching screen passes and passes underneath, but so is Singletary. So I think that they just right now, I would say 60-40 Singletary Cook. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I still think that's a, a pretty more even split than a lot of people maybe would have thought a while ago. Yeah. Right? It seems like James Cook has really earned those opportunities, um, and you're seeing him a lot more, and he's really taking advantage of them. That uh, that his touchdown run as well. Devin had a really nice one. He had a really nice one. Uh, James Cook ran 11 times for 99 yards. He was one yard shy of 100. His first 100-yard game in the NFL would have been average nine yards a carry. The last time the Bills had two 100-yard rushers in a game was Ooh. 2015. I didn't know if you knew Ooh. that. Okay, so 2015 would have been LaShawn's first year, right? Mm-hmm. So is he, he was one of them? He was one of them. Was it, it wasn't, was it Mike Gillisley? No, I like the guess. Oh, no. Oh, okay, it was the, um, oh, it, it wouldn't have been Booby Dixon. No, but you're on the right track. You know who it is. Um, he was a rookie, had a really good rookie year. And then we really didn't hear from him after that. Oh my God. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I remember him scoring the touchdown against the Colts. Carlos Williams. Yes. 
Let's go. Williams. Let's go. All right. That's right. That's right. That's what I was told. So we can go back and look, but yeah, so I was told it was, um, while we were doing the broadcast, we were thinking about it because it was almost about to happen. It didn't happen. Um, you know, but Hey, maybe leaves, leaves a little meat on the bone for James cook to get that hundred yards. And also, by the way, it was the first time the bills ran for this many yards in any game, 254 since 2016, exactly six years to the day. The last time they did it was the dolphins on Christmas Eve in Buffalo Rex Ryan's last game, that overtime game. Oh yeah. I do remember that camp. That that was a pretty wild game too. Um, that was the overtime game. They, they couldn't, if they tied the, um, their playoff chances were gone and Rex Ryan punted in a tie game with like two minutes left. So that, what was the date of that? That was Christmas Eve, 2016. It was exactly okay. six years to the day. The last time the bills ran for 254 yards or more. They actually did it three times that year because the week before that they did it against Cleveland. And a few weeks before that they ran for over 300 against San Francisco. So I actually remember that day and it has nothing to do with the bills. I remember watching the bills and dolphins game, mm-hmm. but I had, this is going to be, this is nobody cares, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So I've <laughs> hey, been in a, hey, I, well, welcome to radio land. I, <laughs> we, this is a, why do you always talk about yourself? Listen, we tell yeah. stories. That's what we do. So go ahead. So I've been in a fantasy football league for, I don't know, 17 years. 18 years, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, the league is FFE. It stands for family, friends, and enemies. And it's, we're <laughs> very competitive. We've got a group message. We're very competitive. We talk to each other all the time. Well, I had never won a championship in that league, but I had been very close multiple times. I had lost in the championship several times. Well, that year, that coincided with the fantasy football championship weekend. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas Eve, and I remember normally I'm at every Bills home game. I have been since 2014, but I think there are three that I have missed, and the Christmas Eve game was one of them because our like broadcast schedule was all off because of the holiday. So I was watching back at the station, but I also was really interested in the Packers against the Vikings because of my fantasy football team and Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, is my enemy single-handedly won me my first fantasy football championship in 20, what was it? 15, 16, because I had. We call it, you know, a lot of people call them like what they have different terms for them. We've always called it double dip when you've got your quarterback and your wide receiver. So I had Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. Aaron Rodgers that day threw for 347 yards and four touchdowns. Jordy Nelson had 154 catches for two touchdowns. And at that point, smooth sailing. Won my first championship. I'll remember that. I'll remember watching that game. Always, because it just felt like it was like another one, another one. It was awesome. So sorry. That's my little tangent from that day. Now we just learned about everything from six years ago in Matt's Fantasy Football League Championship. Tune in next time because Matt's going to go through all his first <laughs> nine holes the last time he played golf, just so everybody knows. I could do that. I legitimately, <laughs> no, you I, le- I legitimately think the last, if I went back and I was like, oh, okay, like the last round of golf I played, I think I could take you through probably every hole. It's so funny. Like, look, it just. Anecdotally, I'll just say, I get it all the time. Why do you guys, why do you always talk about yourself on the radio? And like, I know, like we do, I do. And it's because we share lives with each other. People call up, they share lives with us. We share lives with them. We're on the radio. We tell stories. That's just what it is. So anyway, if anybody ever has any question or criticism of that, that's why that happens. And we thank you for sticking through that when we do that. If you don't like it, because we could talk football all the time as well. Like we're going to do now, we're going to get back to, well, go ahead. 
Well, I'm just going to say yeah. I beat my friend Zach Augstell <laughs> in fantasy. So I'll probably send this link to the group message. There you go. So I should give the shout out to the person that I beat. And he actually traded me Jordy Nelson earlier that season. So I think it was especially satisfying for me and especially painful for him. We can get back to football now. I'm actually in my fantasy championship next weekend. So thank you for bringing that up. I'm also in the finals of the guillotine league, the Jeremy white setup. Uh, so I'm in a couple Good of luck. Good luck. Before I get to the offense, we left, we left a little bit. Um, I think back in the first segment on the travel situation. And I just want to give a shout out myself um, to how the week ended to the people in Chicago and how accommodating they were um, to, you know, that once the decision was made that we had to stay and going back to the hotel and having things set up. And I mean, it's like, you know, we were able to get back there, have our same room, things like that. And it's Christmas Eve, right? You're worried about, and you're thinking about your families and your loved ones. And I was checking in with Jan and Max back home here, you know, every hour or so, do you guys still have power? How's everything going? You know, so those things were on our mind. We were thinking about everybody in Buffalo. And once we knew how dire the situation was in Buffalo, obviously, you know, it, it was, it was very serious to think about all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, you know, we didn't know when we were coming back and finally got word that, <clears throat> you know, we were going to, stay in Chicago. We heard right after the game, we're going to stay in Chicago. And like I said, the, the, uh, the hotel staff, the travel staff, everybody that just did a, a great job to kind of you know do what they had to do to make sure that, you know, we were able to do all that properly and correctly. And then the next morning got on a plane and flew to Rochester and had a nice greeting in the rot from Rochester, Rochester bills, mafia. They showed up at the airport. That was great. Uh, got on buses, was able, were able to get back to Buffalo. And I'm glad that, you know, everyone got home safely. So I just wanted to make sure that we buttoned that up on how everything went and wanted to say thank you very much to the, to the people who, who really just made it a lot easier on all of our minds. You know what I mean, Matt? Yeah. Like when you're going mm-hmm. through all that and you can, make it a little bit easier to think about your family and what's going on. And of course, everything in back in Buffalo, um, you know, that, that made it a lot more possible to do that. Yeah. And I just think that kind of branching off that and putting a bow on this one for as tough of a couple days of this, as this has been for the community, there have been some incredible stories of people kind of coming together and getting through this. I've got a friend who used to work, at Channel 7, he's now involved with Getzville Fire Company, Dave Morales. He did a story last night with Channel 7. They literally had a road in Getzville that wasn't plowed, and there was a medical emergency. And all of the neighbors came out of their house and shoveled a pathway so they could take the person who had the medical emergency on a sled to wow. the ambulance. And then they were able to take the ambulance to the hospital. I remember I was listening to some of the press conferences that were going on from my house. And they were talking about people who were helping give birth to just like neighbors, like basically just like, okay, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to do it. I'm sure you've probably heard the story of the woman and the man who were manually giving their child breaths for two days straight because they didn't have power and their ventilator wouldn't work. Like these are the things that are just like the most amazing stories. Even the day that I was talking about snow blowing my driveway, took me two hours and I'm totally capable of doing that but i've got some elderly neighbors and somebody brought a bobcat like somebody just in our neighborhood has a bobcat with a shovel on it and they were a plow on it and they were able to just start like clearing people's driveways and like that's the stuff that's cool so shout out to city of good neighbors and in this case all the people who were in chicago who were kind of helping you guys get back to buffalo um yeah i just want to say her name is shakira i believe is how you say it. shakira autry um 
heard someone crying for help. That was the person you're talking about, the story. There's a threat. Uh-huh. I retweeted it from Kimberly LaRussa. I hope I'm saying everybody's name right here. Um, Kimberly tweeted and talked about it, says true angel in Buffalo. And this is this is a a thread and a story that you can go and look at and read and kind of shows exactly what you're talking about and how people were helping each other in a, in a, in a big, big time of need in Buffalo. All right, let's uh, talk about the defense and how dominant they were. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, it really doesn't get better than the performance we saw from the Bills defense on Saturday against the Bears. Now, the one thing that they probably want back is the first touchdown drive from the Bears. They started the game. They moved down the field with ease. They put up seven points on their first possession. And then you're sitting there, at least I was, and I'm like, whoa. Maybe this isn't going to be a walk in the park. This defense looks like they have issues right now because the Bears don't have any receiving options that scare you. They were without their top two receivers, but they still got down the field pretty easily. After that, it was nothing. The Bills only gave up six points after their first drive of the game. It was a really dominant day, and I think the thing that stands out the most, we talked about it before the game, how are you going to stop Justin Fields? Justin Fields had 11 yards. 11 yards. This is a guy who's got a thousand on the season and the bills were able to hold him seven attempts to 11 yards. That is about as efficient as you could possibly be. And he had one seven yard run after. So other than that, he had six carries for four yards. You think about that. That's incredible, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. They did an amazing job in him. And, you know, if you go back and look, like, what did they do? What was the secret? I don't think they had a spy necessarily. I think what they did was, was a collective effort of if they do this, we have this, if they do that, we have this, right? I mean, it was more of a, um, collection of a good game plan. They did go to three linebackers once in a while. That was something we wondered if they would do. Wasn't a lot. AJ Klein was on the field for about 25% of the snaps, taking Taron Johnson off. The Bills had a really good game plan against Justin Fields. And by the way, the number one rushing attack in the league with the uh, Chicago Bears. It's not just Fields. It is Khalil Herbert, and he was playing. It is David Montgomery. And the Bills did an excellent job. 80 yards overall they were run against. And this is on the heels of what the Dolphins did with Raheem Mostert the week before. So I think the difference, though, if you go back to that Dolphins game, the difference was the Bills said, look, we'll let you run on us a little bit. They didn't like how much they ran on them. They missed tackles. We'll let you mm-hmm. run on us a little bit. You're not getting the ball to Hill and Waddle and beating us that way. This You didn't have to do that in this game because what you said, Matt, they didn't have, the Bears didn't have this great passing game to worry about. So the Bills could concentrate on the run and that's what they did. And they bottled up fields. And how about Matt Milano? Once again, how many times yeah. are you there to just basically say, all right, you're not going anywhere. And if, and if you do, I'm going to have people coming to help me because I'm going to slow play this and make sure that you have to kind of wait and make a decision. And by time that you do, we're going to have help. Yeah. And I think also Tremaine Edmonds had a nice day. I and agree. I also want to, and I also want to give a little shine to somebody we don't talk about that much. 
AJ Epinesa is having a strong, solid season, especially in light of the Von Miller injury. I think that has kind of forced him onto the field a little bit more. And no, he is not as explosive as a lot of pass rushers, and he is not like a dynamic game changer. But for what he is, for a rotational defensive end who's still young in their career and learning, he's having a nice season. I I think it's seven sacks right now. I mean, come on. Like, it's hard to, and there's still, Two games left. It's hard to knock a performance like that. I just want to make sure I have all of the numbers correct. So I'm bringing it up right now. He has this season. Half sacks, I believe. I guess. Yep. Is that right? Let me. No, I got to get to the page. It's like my Wi-Fi has been an issue all year. He has. Mm-hmm. No, he he has this year six and a half sacks. Yeah, he's got right. twelve. You were right. Twelve solo tackles, sixteen total tackles, and he's played in fourteen games. So. Okay. Pretty good production for somebody who is a depth option. Same thing with Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson has come in, thought he was going to be a role player. He still is, but he's making a difference when he's out on the field. Yeah. Um, they, the entire D-line, right? I mean, how many times? We could go through each player here and just say, oh, this guy was great. I mean, I thought Tim Settle. He was very good, obviously. How about Kingsley Jonathan? I'm not bringing him up just because he went to Syracuse. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, he, he contributed some snaps. And um, after the game, Shaq Lawson said, I know it was personal for him because, remember, he was with the Bears for a while this year, and he was released. And he wanted to kind of show them that they made a mistake. He was with the Bills originally. But that just goes to show you that everyone is contributing. And this is a defensive line that they love to rotate right there. Um, and then you had the secondary. Obviously, didn't have to do too much as far as the passing game is concerned. But it is starting to feel like Tredavious white is kind of becoming more of Tredavious white, right? Everything each and every week, I think you ramp up a little bit there, which takes us a little bit more to against the Bengals coming up on Monday. And I wonder if that means, are we going to see Tredavious white on Jamar chase specifically all game shadowing him? I'm not sure they have a lot of weapons. I'm a little worried about this matchup for the bill. Not a little worried. Like this is the toughest matchup they have played since they played the chiefs back in week five or whatever it was. And That's not to say that the Bills can't win this game. They can. And we'll talk about the game more on the next podcast that we do. But one of the reasons I think the defense was so dominant against the Bears was you can lock in on one thing. You can lock in on stopping the run against the Bengals. You really can't do that because they can run. They're not as effective right now running the ball as they were earlier in the season. But of course, they can run the ball. They've got an elite quarterback and they don't just even have one or two wide receiver options. They've got three who really scare you. So this is going to be a tough matchup for the bills. It's absolutely one that they can win, but this is a team that I think matches up well for what their strengths are compared to what the quote weaknesses are for the bills. But you know, they're, they're one of the best teams in football. They can beat anybody. So it's not like we're not giving them a puncher's chance. It's a pick them. There's not a lot of times where the bills are a pick them. I'm thinking about this game. I mean, it's a huge game. It's the, the game of the week. And it's on Monday Night Football, national stage. All eyes are going to be on it. It could be on Channel well 7. On Channel Thank 7. Thank you very much. That's right. It's on WKBW yeah. TV, <laughs> Channel 7 in Buffalo yeah. and <laughs> surrounding areas. Um, I am thinking about, though, the big picture of this game and how it impacts everything in the AFC because look what happened in Denver. They fired their coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Now they might have a bit of a shot in the arm, but I don't know if. I don't no. know what the chances are of them beating the Chiefs. Now, remember, they almost did beat them last time they played. Uh, no. they, but you can't count on that, right? So this really could not only determine, Matt, the number one seed. If the Bills don't take care of business and lose, they could be the three overall. Yeah, yeah. Which means you then got to go on the road in both the second and the second round and the championship game. 
and you would probably have to host the Chargers in the wild card round. That's a good which point too. Is a, which is a tough matchup. Now, that being said, you can avoid all of this if you win your final two games. The yeah. most likely, so kind of to piggyback off of what Sal said, if you win against the Bengals, you are a win away from locking up the one seed, a wild card by, and you know, the road to the Super Bowl going through Buffalo, which is of course the absolute dream scenario. Now, the only way if they lose, they could still be the two seed, which is very feasible, by the way. If I mean it depends on what Kansas City does, but for the sake of the argument, I'm just going to assume Kansas City wins their last two games. The Bengals play the Ravens right. the following week. And if the Bengals and Ravens both win, they're still both fighting for the division title the following week, which means, you know, don't count out the Ravens, especially if Lamar Jackson comes back in that setting. So that's why, you know, there is still a chance if the Ravens went and beat and beat Cincinnati and the bills beat the Patriots, that the bills could once again, kind of leapfrog Cincinnati and then be the two seed, which would obviously be better than the three. But the thing about the two seed is you would host theoretically a second round playoff game. If you win, you'd also host Miami in the wild card round. So it's kind of pick your poison. It's who it's, would you rather have the chargers or would you rather have the dolphins? What what do you care about more? I think the bills would say they don't care. They want more games in Buffalo, obviously. But um, as you as we sit here though, heading into week 17, there's only two spots left in the AFC. One is reserved for either the Jags or the Titans. One of them is going to win the division. They will get the four seed. The other one can still make the playoffs. It's a bit of an outside chance, though, more of an outside chance because they probably have another loss on their resume, obviously. Yeah. So you really have one spot for Miami, the Jets, New England, and Pittsburgh. Even the Raiders, I guess I could throw them in there, but it's very, very unlikely. But really, mm-hmm. it's one spot for one of those four teams. And it's going to be really interesting. Now, speaking of that, I have been asked many times, Matt, when will we know when the Bills are playing week 18? Here's the answer. As early as Sunday night, as late as post Monday night football. That's what I would say. Who is Monday night football this upcoming week? Buffalo, Cincinnati. <laughs> oh my go, God. Right? You just said yeah. it's on channel seven. I know. Yeah. I know you forget, right? That it's that. Yeah. So I don't even know what I, day of the week it is. Right I now. would tell everybody this though. The bills aren't going to play on Saturday in week 18. The, the NFL is not going to put them Monday to Saturday. They're not going to do that. Yeah. The bills, I think are very, very unlikely to play Sunday night. It really comes down to one or four twenty-five PM on Sunday. And yeah. that might just determine it be dependent on are the Bills and Chiefs both fighting still for the number one seed? It's probably 425. Like, that's, I'm almost like going to chalk it in at that point, just as 425. That seems like what it's been the last couple of years, mm-hmm. especially if the game matters for the Bills or for the Patriots <laughs> or for both. I mean, if the Patriots beat the Dolphins this week, mm-hmm. I think if the Patriots beat the Dolphins this week, are they winning in against the Bills? Um, no, I have it. I already tweeted. So I have all the scenarios and I've tweeted them basically here. Let me just, uh, if you go to my Twitter feed at South sports, I already wrote the playoff scenarios and I have them right here. Here we go. Bills clinch number one seed with a win and a Kansas city loss. Dolphins clinch a playoff berth with a win and a jets loss. They still yes. have to have the jets to lose. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like if the Patriots win against the dolphins, then next week becomes that much more interesting for them because they would still be fighting for their playoff hopes. Um, Cause I would well, imagine this. Let me ask you this. If, if, if that happens, what's mm-hmm. the better Sunday night game to wrap up the finale to the, you know, the, the all the eyes that one game, would it be dolphins jets for a win scenario? 
Let me look at the schedule. It would it be Titans Jags for the win and in scenario? What would you rather see on Sunday night? I think I'd rather see Ravens Bengals potentially for for the division. The, yeah, well, yeah, I guess it teams that can be in though are going to be that's in a, for the division. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it might be Dolphins Jets. Honestly, I, I think I mean we're biased as AFC East. I think people, but I agree with you. I'd like to see that. I agree. Um, there's a lot of scenarios that can play out. I, I mean, yeah. the Bills are in a really great spot. Obviously, they're in an amazing spot if they win on Monday night. Don't write off the Patriots or anything like that the following week. But I feel like you would be in a really, really great spot if, you know, you beat the Bengals and you're like, okay, we win this game at home. We're, we're clinching a playoff bye week. And that's, I think that would just put a lot of people at ease. You know what I mean? Just like, okay, you got to win two home games to get to the Super Bowl. Right. I think Bills fans would like their chances there. Yeah, I think Matt, isn't it more important to get the bye week than it is to have home field advantage? I mean, I know they're both. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. If I said to you, you could have a bye week and then have to go on the road or you don't get a bye week and you you take the, you you take the bye week. Yeah. Because the layer to it that everybody kind of always pushes to the side is even if you win the wild card round, people get hurt in every game. You have no idea how healthy you are going into that game against a team that's already well rested. So, I mean, if you're playing, if you're the bills and you have the bye week, even though you're probably not playing them, you know, the chiefs and the Bengals are playing a game and they're going to be, more beat up and there's going to be injuries that pop up and you're going to be sitting there getting rested, getting ready to go. And historically the bills have been a very good team coming off of their bye week So, well, I shouldn't say the bills. I should say this regime has been historically good coming off of their bye week So I think you would like their chances against whoever. I, I do want to point out, obviously there's a lot more to be played, but right now, because we do have uh, six of the seven spots determined, um, because I'm throwing Jacksonville, Tennessee, one of them is going to make it. So mm-hmm. five really have clinched. But right now, the way it stands, you have some juicy matchups. Like right now, here's how it would work. Buffalo would have the the bye in the first mm-hmm. round. You hit the <clears throat> Dolphins at the Chiefs, the return of Tyreek Hill. And awesome. two of offenses. You'd have the Chargers at the Bengals. And then you'd mm-hmm. have the Ravens at the Jags, which honestly, like, you could kind of throw your hands up and go, whatever. But I'm interested in that because I think it's two different styles. And it would be really interesting to see how it played out. Also, and I know that I am higher on Miami than a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins, if Tua is healthy, now that's a big. Oh, guess. That's a great point because that happened yesterday and last night before we recorded this. That the yes. was put in concussion protocol. How much of this? I'll ask you this: How much of this you think is on the Dolphins, and how much of it is on the NFL? <clears throat> I have to say, I don't know all the details about this particular one, but. Mm-hmm. I did see the video that appeared that maybe that may have been where he got hurt. Yeah. And Matt, it's, it's really sad to know that like after that, he did not play as well at all after that particular play. And you have to think there's some sort of effect that affected his play. And that's scary, right? To see that happen, to know that happened. And then to think about all the things he's been through this year with his head injuries. Um, there are people on the sidelines that have to see this. Yes. So, yes. I have to put it on the organization for because they're a part of this, but whoever the independent neurologist, the people, the spotters that's on them as well. I don't know the exact details of this scenario, how it played out. This just happened last night and I didn't see a lot of this, but man, it's at your home stadium. After everything mm-hmm. happened this year, you got these spotters there are people on your sideline. I, I gotta, I gotta put third, a third. 
Yeah, third time this season, yeah. too, where he's been dealing with something. There's a lot of people who are saying that he shouldn't play again this year. Now, yeah. that's a health thing. Like, we are not doctors. We are not the people who can figure that out. But going back to what we were saying before the Tua conversation, if he is healthy, like if he's normal Tua, that team can go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs as a seven seed. They they can. Their offense is dynamic. They're dangerous. I've got a friend who's a Dolphins fan, and I told him the other day when they were still winning, I said that I think of the wildcard teams, the Dolphins will be the most dangerous. They're still not an elite team because they've got a lot of they're not they're not consistent. Their defense is not great, but they're dangerous. They can put up points and obviously they can win a track meet. So I think in all of those matchups, the lower seed can absolutely go in and win in those games. All right. So last question, we're going to wrap this up here. Who from a Bills standpoint, thinking of the mm-hmm. bills, their best chances, what you'd like to see. Let's assume the bills get the buy. Ooh, that's a big assumption. That's a big assumption. I'm, let's play this out. Let's hypothetically say the bills get the buy. Yeah. Not assume let's hypothetically say, and hypothetically say the chiefs get the number two seed. Yeah. Who would you like to see as the number seven? Because let's remember you're what I'm asking you essentially is this team that get, has a chance to beat the chiefs. And then you would see them in Buffalo because if, if it's the dolphins, then you got to play from the Buffalo. And I don't know how much mm-hmm. you want to do that either. You don't. Cause I think, I think the answer might be the chargers here. Cause I think the chargers always play the chiefs tough. And I agree. They beat them. And I think chargers coming to Buffalo as much as they have all those weapons. I, I think the bills could handle business there, but how could the chargers even get to the seventh seed? They would have to lose. They've already clinched. They'd have to lose their last two games. They're in. They've yeah, so clinched a spot. Yeah, but like they're not losing two. They they play their last two games. I, I don't care are, about that. I'm just asking you hypothetically. Like, who would you like to see in that spot? I think Miami. I think Miami because even though we just talked about how dangerous they can be, I think if they were to knock out the Chiefs, you really should still feel confident that the Bills at home in the middle of January can beat the dolphins and then, you know, have one more game to get to the AFC championship. I think you would be happier to play the dolphins in the second round than have to potentially play the chiefs again in the championship. I don't disagree with that at all. Would you rather the, who, who would you rather see the chargers or the dolphins here in Buffalo though, in the second round? Cause that the could chargers. play out either way. The chargers. Yeah, see that's that's my thought. I think that I think that I think the Dolphins are more dangerous than the Chargers are. Even with the, all of the weapons that the Chargers have. Yeah, it just seems like they just they, even even against the Colts they didn't like wasn't great. The Colts aren't that great of a team. They couldn't protect Herbert, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Listen, we're going to talk more there's go ahead. There's no cakewalks in the AFC. No, no matter like no. if you're playing, that's why the bye week is so significant, especially okay. this year, because any one of the teams that gets into the wild, I think the only teams that could potentially get in that you would feel pretty confident with are the jets and the Patriots. I think if either of those teams get in, you should feel like, you know, the, the higher seed team is going to win, but I wouldn't write off anybody. We see it every year. We see every year the higher seed team gets upset in the wild card round and it throws a wrinkle in everything. And that's why if you can avoid that completely, then you're, you know, sitting there and the division you're hosting a divisional round game without even sweating. And you're feeling really, really good about yourselves. Two weeks to go, two games to go for all these teams in the NFL. And we're going to talk more about a very, very, very big matchup between the bills and the Bengals a little bit later in the week. All right. 
thanks a lot for coming aboard and, and listening. And again, one more time, we just want to say we hope that everybody's staying safe and you know check on your loved ones and your family. We know you're doing that. Thank you again for downloading, subscribing, and all that kind of stuff here to uh, It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, you have a great rest of your week. You stay safe up there as well with you and your family. Thank you. You as well. And we hope that, like Sal said, we hope you're all warm, you're all safe, and uh, maybe you can kind of get back to normal here in the next couple of days and ce- celebrate the new year unlike you were able to celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah and whatever the other holidays in Kwanzaa and all of, you know, the last week and a half. We will talk to you again. Bill's Bengals preview up next later in the week here on it's always game day in Buffalo.